Welcome to the Friday edition of Couch Potato Diary, coming to you from the Clearwater Cleaning Solutions broadcast studio. Clearwater Cleaning Solutions is a locally owned commercial and residential cleaning company who specializes in commercial cleaning from shared workspaces and commercial buildings to medical clinics, retail stores, production facilities, and high-rise building maintenance. Check them out online, clearwatercleaningsolutions.com. You can find me online, Twitter and Instagram. I am at primetimecline, twitch.tv slash primetimepk. You can email the show, couchpotatodiary at yahoo.com. We have a lot to get to on the show today. A bunch of wrestling to, to talk about. We have Karen Peterson from Post Wrestling coming on to give us an introduction to one of the best wrestling promotions in the world, and that would be Stardom. And also Rich Fan is going to help us with um, the Cody Rhodes situation, with everything going on with Stone Cold Steve Austin. We talk a little bit about the uncomfortableness of Elimination Chamber, and uh, a real good time, real good chat with both of them. So those are coming up in a matter of moments. I was on the Fresh Take Network earlier this uh, I guess today, actually, uh, earlier today, talking about Elimination Chamber. My picks are there. I will be posting that as a bonus podcast tomorrow morning, getting ready for uh, WWE's Elimination Chamber. But going to begin, as Friday's a little bit different now, we don't have NFL to preview. Just, I guess, a couple of thoughts before we get into the, the football and fights Friday portion of the show. The women's, uh, the, the women's gold medal game going down on uh, earlier this week, Wednesday evening, very late Wednesday evening, Canada with a 3-2 win, a, a fantastic victory, and a couple of things to, to take away from this one. First of all, congratulations on uh, an amazing tournament played by Canada. So many records set, it, it truly goes down. It's funny, if they lose this game, then it's, oh, well, look at the competition or whatever, but they win, and so now it's, well, one of the most dominant performances we've ever seen in Olympic history. A narrative can change so much on one game. Ask Matthew Stafford about that, but... For for Canada, I thought from a, a technical standpoint, that's how you deal with a team that is quicker than you. You let like you understand you're not going to keep up to them. So have a good understanding of angles. And also, I thought they did a good job of keeping the United States to the outside. You can do all the skating you want out there. It's when you get the chances in tight. And those chances did come. For sure, those chances came um, in the third period when the, the score was a little bit sideways from an, uh, an American perspective. You saw more of those chances. That's score effects, folks. But in the early part of the game, I thought Canada did a good job of kind of keeping them to the outside, pressuring them. You don't have to be quicker to put pressure on someone and forcing them into mistakes. And then they were able to capitalize on mistakes that like that was a picture perfect, at least first half of the hockey game of how to deal with speed. And then after that, it was the DBN show. And the the effort from both sides was incredible, but the effort from Canada late in the game, players diving around just to block shots, just to get in the way, was excellent. And an another thing you like from Canada, obviously you have the GOAT, Marie-Philippe Poulin, one of the, the greatest hockey players of this generation, and I did not specify gender on that one. Just a, a phenomenal performance. Sarah Nurse with a coming out party, that is huge for Canada to get another kind of superstar on that level of a Marie-Philippe Poulin. But you look at the youth on this team. That was a young blue line. We talked about it with Sandra on Wednesday. That was a young blue line. You have Sarah Fillier who can't even rent a car yet. You have so many good young players who stepped up in key roles. The future looks very bright for Canadian hockey on the women's side. The Super Bowl is in the books. This is a Fights and Football Friday. We are going to start that portion of the show now. Uh, just a couple of little odds and ends from the the Super Bowl. I I mean, 
when we broke down the Super Bowl on Monday, didn't really recognize how crazy that Matthew Stafford pass was at the end of the game. Just the no look, whoop, over the field to Cooper Cup. A phenomenal pass. The thing that I keep coming back to, breaking this game down, is how on earth do you allow Samaji Pirine to be the one touching the ball on third and one? I just, from a Bengal standpoint, that continues to boggle the mind. I do not understand how that was allowed to happen. And for the Bengals, I think that's going to be one that they are going to look back on with a great deal of regret and a great deal of frustration. But uh, we are now into the draft portion of the season, going to be focusing a lot more on the NFL draft and in free uh, NFL free agency and CFL free agency and CFL draft as the pods go along. But I just, uh, a couple of quick mentions on things that I've noticed throughout the week that I didn't get a chance to get to. Um, I, I mentioned we're going to have a Elimination Chamber pod coming up on Saturday morning. I think that's also when I'm going to do a little bit more of the UFC breakdown. I really want to get to these interviews, so we'll table the UFC 271 discussion of some of the the, the lesser fights for Saturday morning's show, so look out for that. But So now it is time to get into our two interviews. It has been a very busy week in the world of professional wrestling, and coming up after this quick break, we'll have Rich Van to talk about what it means for the WWE, what it means for AEW, and a couple other wrestling promotions that he is watching for. So, you'll hear some music, you'll hear where that music is from, and then we'll hear the conversation with Rich Fan. The music that you hear on Couch Potato Diary is provided by Wasted Talent. Find them on Instagram, at Wasted Talent, with X is where the A's would be, and find their producer on Instagram, at Tommy Fresh Music. Very pleased to be joined by a returning guest of the program from Pro Wrestling Torch. He is Rich Fan. Rich, thanks for doing this today, man. How are you? Oh, awesome, Peter. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me on. Hey, thanks for coming on. I, I really appreciate it. Uh, it's been a wild week in the world of professional wrestling. Uh, I, I was talking with someone who said, could you imagine, or could you have imagined, I guess, Stone Cold Steve Austin might be coming back. We find that out on Monday, and by Wednesday, no one's talking about it. That's how crazy this week has been in, in pro wrestling. Well, we'll start with the, the news of the week, I guess, and that is Cody Rhodes is apparently on his way to WWE. But before we get into some of the, the specifics of all of this, your reaction to, to Cody making his way back to the evil empire of WWE? I think it makes sense for him, and I think it made sense that he would be one of the group that left. I think I look at um, the landscape of AEW and the folks on the roster now compared to when he first joined. And I, I have mentioned with my editor, publisher, Wade Keller over at the torch that he's Dusty Rhodes's kid. If anything, Dusty was always a person who knew where the wind blew. And when you have Danielson, you have Keith Lee, you have CM Punk, you have all these ascending young talent and you already promised you won't challenge for the world title you've already put yourself in a corner where things aren't necessarily going to go the way you think they are. And so going back to WWE, I figured it'd be him or Jericho. And maybe as a joke, you know, I, I mentioned maybe MJF down the road because he's a guy that I'm sure Vince McMahon would love to throw a house at to get, but uh, Cody. Yeah, absolutely. I think he, him coming back is kind of like a souped up version of the best of when Christian cage was rehired or when they brought in, 
uh, some of those guys from WCW back in the day, like Jericho, for instance, when they paid him quite well and they had him come over as far as interaction was with The Rock, kind of showing to those guys across the street, we're open for business, we're going to treat you right. Yeah. And, and with Cody, like it, it just it, the best way I heard it described was one, one of my buddies said everything he does feels like it's a different show than Dynamite. Like Dynamite was its own thing. And then there was the Cody Rhodes show and not like the actual other Cody Rhodes shows. But like it just it felt like a, a different pro wrestling show. It didn't really seem to jive with Dynamite. And quite frankly, it seemed very sports entertainment. And, and so I, I do think the, mm. the fit is is good there. And also he's had some promos that have got some attention. And I, I think with maybe a touch of editing um, that there, there could be a lot that you could do with this character. So I, I'm with you. I, th I think the fit with him in WWE is actually a very, very good one. Yeah. And I think from a time standpoint, I always think anytime anyone signs either with AEW or WWE, it's not like you're signing, uh, you know, like a max contract, like 10 years, 500 million, like Patrick Mahomes or something. You're going to be there two, three years. If it doesn't work out, you could always go to the other company or we might have a third company now that, you know, you see uh, uh, control your narrative is building their own promotion and they say they have a TV deal imminent. So you, you have so many options. Why not explore them? Especially if the, you see that the grass, you know, I always think about in my day job, uh, I used to be a career counselor and even now on the side, I do coaching. And I always tell folks, never leave a job thinking the next place is going to be better. Leave it because you feel like there's things you can do differently. Because if you leave because you think the grass is greener, there's always going to be workplace crap. There's always going to be politics. And I think when people came to AEW, they thought it was going to be this utopia of no politics. And it might not be, I'm going to talk to the back and say, you can't work. But it may just be some people don't work well together or personality-wise, they clash. That happens everywhere. Right. Yeah. And I think one of the, the clashes that might be taken away from, from WWE, um, I don't know if this happens if Triple H is still there. You know, like it seems like whatever we, the wrestling community, think of Triple H post uh, NXT, um, I, what Cody's experience with Triple H was a whole lot different. Like there, there was something there that pissed that dude off, which led to the sledgehammer and the, the weird chair thing and the pedigree stuff. I, I wonder, Rich, if this actually goes down if Triple H isn't not so subtly phased out of the picture. Yeah, I agree. When you think about, you, you mentioned the sledgehammer. I always go back to his conversations on the way out when he talked about the fact that he wanted to be Cody Rhodes and Triple H was the voice, not Vince that he talked to. He would say Vince doesn't see you that way, but it was always Triple H saying, nah, we don't think we can draw money with Cody Rhodes. And so that probably, you know, that's a lot for him, especially when you see Triple H using his father's name for the tag tournament when you see all the old imagery and iconography being used uh war games being used in triple h's quote-unquote promotion but cody can't be cody rhodes like that had to be a bit of a sting and i don't mean the wonderful wrestler that splashes people on wednesday nights <laughs> uh so from a, a storyline perspective where do you see cody kind of fitting in with things obviously rather big show coming up in a couple of months where do you see cody fit, uh, fitting into the picture right now I think he'll be a rung or two higher than he would have been in AEW. So still in the upper mid card near the main event. I, I have posited one of the best people if he was available for him to go in and beat is a John Cena. Mm. Because you might want to start the waters with a big enough name that you're giving him some juice. But a person who isn't wrestling is regular because you don't want someone like a Seth Rollins. I think he would be a good matchup eventually. But you don't want Seth eating losses to Cody. And then you're kind of like Triple H 
uh, out of the picture. Vince never buries his own promotion. Anytime you saw the NWO invade, anytime you saw the ECW invasion, the WCW invasion, there's never going to be a period where it's not a WWE guy at the top of the other team, so to speak. And so having him beat a guy like a Seth might not work, but I think having him uh, fight a Cena, having him alive with Orton and maybe someone like a Braun Recksteiner and recreate legacy. That's something that makes sense for a Triple H, not, I'm sorry, for a, a, a Cody Rhodes. And that way Vince makes it seem like it's his own as opposed to this AEW guy coming in. The, the elite all-stars uh, were yes. like the, the, the old club or something. I like that one with the like legacy 2.0. Um, I always quick side tangent. I always like legacy. I thought there was something Same. there with Cody Same. and with Ted DiBiase Jr. And maybe, maybe he did too. And then they got the shit kicked down from by triple H and Shawn Michaels. And that, there that went. So I, I'm glad we're on the same page on that one. Yeah. I mean, I, I was just saying last night to my buddy, Travis or two nights ago, I love legacy and I became a Cody Rhodes fan. I'm not going to peek the mic or freak out your listeners like I did ours. Uh, but it was during that time he was just breaking off and he had smoke and mirrors and mm-hmm. they did one of those WWE 24s and John Cena was in the back screaming his song. <laughs> and he's like, wow, there goes Cody Rhodes. <laughs> and it's like that the fact that the top guy is like so into your music that he's like screaming it as you go walk by and catering. It's like, okay. This guy clearly has something. I know he's Dusty's kid. I was always more of a Dustin fan. Like I love mm. Dustin and WCW. I loved him as Gold Dust, or at least early Gold Dust. Late Gold Dust was kind of like Mind Games book was the only time I kind of like chuckled. Um, <laughs> and even that, looking at like that's a nice little weird tangent because you see Dustin is staying, and he's gone on Twitter and he's like stand up for AEW. Like I'm with AEW. Like throw that hashtag out if you're with us. And I'm like, yeah, I guess they're two, they're they're two kids from two different points of Dusty's life. And you see that with something like this. Dustin saw Dusty's rise and fall. Cody only saw him late game. So he mm-hmm. heard about the heroics and the awesomeness, but he never got to see it because he was he was home more. He was kind of just dad. Right. Dad that could also wrestle. And so I, I can see that with this. Dustin's like, I got the bird in the hand. My daughter works with me at AEW. I'm a coach. I have a school. I have a tie to this new promotion I would never have with WWE. And they already fired me as a producer. Cody's going over there as the hot thing. Again, two different worlds and two different family members dealing with it in different ways. So mm-hmm. I think that Legacy 2.0 would also be a nice way to kind of bring in Braun Breaker and introduce him in a way where eventually he could be the Batista to Cody's Triple H. Yeah, I like that a lot. There's there, there's a few levels of that that I, I really like that one. Um, as far as the effect on, on AEW, it, it's kind of like, again, like he, he, he was prominent there. I don't know what his role was behind the scenes, but from a, a TV standpoint, with all due respect, it just seems like a, okay, move on. Like it, it, Aside from where, what do you do with the on-screen character of Arn Anderson now, I don't know how much of an effect on, on this has on AEW. Do, do you view it differently? No, no, I agree. I think even we saw it on Wednesday night, you take the seven to 10 minutes between a Cody segment, a Brandy segment with uh, men of the year or any, you know, Paige Van Zandt, whomever. And you give that to a little bit more time with the Danielson and it, Lee Moriarty, you give it to a great open with CM Punk. You give it to a tag match. You give it to showing Max Caster in a different light. Like there's so many things they did with that time that we didn't even pay attention to the fact that he was gone, but they also didn't do the WWE thing where he didn't exist anymore. Clearly they took him off of the opening montage video. That's fine. But 
they mentioned the fact they had a dog Callum match. They mentioned he's the kind of like the standard bearer for the TNT title. And I think that goes a long way towards making you different than your opposition while also letting those other folks percolate. Because I think, honestly, if Red Death, uh, Garcia, if Lee Moriarty, if you're given more proud and powerful time, I'm, I'm happy with it. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, also, uh, let, let, let's get a couple more women's segments in there. If we could just shoehorn that in every, every little bit, um, that that would be that would be fantastic. Uh, the other kind of big thing in, in the wrestling world this week is Stone Cold Steve Austin is is joining the the crew of people coming back, and this always seemed like something that was never going to happen. And because he's kind of talked it down for a little bit, I'm still. I'm still a touch skeptical and also worried about what this is going to look like. Well, what's your reaction to potentially the, the biggest draw in the history of the sport coming back? I'm amazed that it's happening. I know a lot of folks pointed to, he had put up a couple of like a year or two ago, a Twitter, uh, someone had done a Twitter page video of like his, um, like new ranch and how he had a ring there. Mm-hmm. And so that was kind of like that first indicator. And he's always looked and I, I loved his podcast when he was doing it re- regularly because he does a great job of keeping track of his like fitness and his goals and how he kind of keeps himself in shape. He always looks like Steve Austin. And so when you see him, it's never like, oh, I don't know what's happening there. So he always looks like that guy. And like the best thing to happen to him, honestly, if I'm being honest, is those uh, cold calls commercials because mm-hmm. They're on regularly, and it's like him, Ice T, and who's the other person? Matt Vanilla, Ryan. No, not Vanilla. Matt Ryan. Yeah. And it's like he's in that stratosphere, and it reminds people. That's right. like the best thing ever. And so when he's coming back, I'm with you. I'm a little worried. A guy's got a bad neck, but putting him with someone like a Kevin Owens, I mentioned that he's a bet. He's the best base in WWE in terms of being a guy that could take those moves, and then he's also safe. You've seen over the years, he's been, he hasn't been a guy who's a little reckless with the move. Like if Bret Hart had heard it was going to be Seth Rollins, he probably would have like be right outside of Stanford with signs <laughs> like, no, Steve won't go or chain himself to the ring. And he's like, I can't let you do it, Steve. Um, <laughs> like, I, I, I don't think he'll get a pop up power bomb, but I think he'll they'll, they'll move around in a way, probably five to seven minute brawl. And from what uh, indicators, you know, I, I, I saw a couple of people reporting that it might be for multi matches that's where i get especially scared because you need to have like if you're gonna have like let's say let's say it's three matches if you have three matches make sure it's three really good workers that aren't looking to like overexert themselves for the sake of being in a match with steve austin i never thought i'd get that yeah yeah and someone mentioned goldberg and when they said that i was like oh i didn't I didn't realize you hated Stone Cold Steve Austin so much. I I, I was unaware of this because that 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 sounds like a bad idea. We just saw that. Like I get he the the Bobby Lashley match was honestly one of the best matches of dude's career. But what we saw mm-hmm. when you what happens when it's the two legends. No, I'm I'm with you. I want like nice say uh, he maybe he doesn't have the box office, but a nice Sami Zayn feud I think would be mm-hmm. lovely. Something along those lines. But yeah, I I get worried about that. The the one that keeps coming into my head. And I don't know if I want them because WrestleMania 19 was a perfect send off, but apparently rocks getting the, 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 the itch to come back as well. Um, if we're doing a couple of nights of WrestleMania now, my, my big theory is have um, it's stone cold and the rock team against like Cena and Roman on night one of WrestleMania and then break them off into singles on night two when they, they have it in, in Hollywood next year. Uh, do you, do you think the rock plays into to any of this? I would love another Austin Rock match, but I think I like your idea better of a tag. 
because between the two of them, the last times they've interacted in the ring, they've been severe injuries. Steve, his elbow, Rock, his uh, like groin slash like he had like a hurt, like a hernia or something from a match. Right. And it was like, so I think the two of them together, if they could have swung it for Texas, I, especially given what just happened, I would want Legacy 2.0 versus Austin and The Rock. Ooh. Yeah, I like Where you that. have Cody and Randy. You got the Rattlesnake and The Rock versus uh, the son of the son of a plumber and the, the, the Viper. And so you got the Stunner versus the RKO, Rock Bottom versus the, um, what is he called? Road, road, uh, crossroads. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, and that would be the best way to show. You come, you sign up with us. Look, we just gave this guy. Right. And that, I mean, uh, or I think if they do it in California, I would be fine with just, again, another safe wrestler, just Randy versus Steve. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the buildup for that would be, would be a lot of fun too. And there's a lot of fun you could have uh, again with a lot of these guys. The, the main thing is you, you want to, to keep him safe, but I mean, we just saw mm-hmm. like 62 year old sting wasn't going to wrestle again after the buckle bomb and stuff like that. And now like he's, he's like not top five for wrestler mm-hmm. of the year, but dude's putting on some great matches. Like we we've mm-hmm. seen people have been able to come back from things that we didn't think of before. And I, I would imagine from stone cold's perspective, when you see Brian, who was never going to wrestle again, edge was never going to wrestle again. Sting was never going to wrestle again five times. And Christian was never going to be able to wrestle again. All these guys have been able to come back. So I, and they, they've all been able to do it safely, but there's just something about Stone Cold because we saw him hurt for all those years that just, it, it gives me the heebie-jeebies for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. And, and I think about, you know, you have the Owen happening and that K driller from Owen was something that like you thought was just going to be like any other move. And it mm-hmm. fundamentally changed the trajectory of his career. I think about with Steve, he's going to be in a ring with people he knows aren't going to kind of freelance. So I'm not too worried, yeah. but at the same time, stuff still, ha- like you said, stuff still happens. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if, if, if Kevin Owens, if they have a match, if he even teases a package pile driver, I am, I don't care what restrictions are anywhere. I'm driving to wherever that place is. And I, I'm going to be the one shackled to the, the things <laughs> just uh, shifting gears this weekend is WWE elimination chamber. And Mm-hmm. With this, it's not just a, a standard one that they're off in Saudi Arabia and th- there's been a little less each time of the ickiness coverage of, of the Saudi Arabia shows, but uh, post wrestling just did a, a very good round table. And I, mm-hmm. I, I still, I, I still can't really wrap my head around this whole thing. And before it was easier to boycott these shows because it's the brothers of destruction against DX. But now like this is an integral part on the road to WrestleMania <laughs> And I feel bad because I'm probably going to watch it. I would love to take the political stand of no, none of these shows. I can't watch it, but I, I'm probably going to, to tie it in. But I, I feel very conflicted. Where are your feelings on these Saudi Arabia shows? Uh, I'm, I've been in the in the foot in the wheelhouse of. I've seen the, the highlights. I haven't necessarily watched. I think I watched part of the greatest Royal Rumble once I saw the, the Titus uh, gif. Yeah. And I just had to see for myself, like, what the heck happened there. <laughs> uh, but I, I try, you know, I, for me, I'm, I'm disgusted by it. But the way I, I look at a guy like Sami Zayn who can't go there, one of the things I really enjoyed, because I saw half of the last one, was I donated 50 bucks to Sami for Syria mm. and felt like, hey, this dude's getting a paycheck and he's doing good things. I'm going to kick it to a good cause. 
and I'll watch a couple. And the way I do it professionally is I don't cover it. I, you know, whenever Wade needs a round table, he knows I'm not going to watch all of it and I'm not going to be able to give, and I don't want to be unprofessional and give like just conjecture about something I haven't seen. Right. And so, you know, with this, I'll wait to see what the results are. And it's also early enough where I'm going to be watching soccer in the morning. And my son usually has hockey games and stuff over the weekend. He has a tournament this weekend. So I'm kind of, I'll be home, but nah, I'll, I'll skip it. But I'm really interested in those two elimination chamber matches because the the collected talent in there, it's a weird combination. <laughs> yeah. And that there's, there's a few of those. And I actually think like there's a few different directions that they can go with. Like a lot of times we know what the road to WrestleMania is this time we have a general idea. And I think the most interesting is someone we've talked about a couple of times, Randy Orton and Matt Riddle, it appeared they were locked in to be broken up and that's going to be a blow off at WrestleMania. I, it, it kind of feels like it'd be too early now. Like that, that feels like one of the hottest things in WWE at this time. Where are you at on the, the potential breaking up of, of RK bro? I think if they're going to do it, do it for a reason that uh, you're going to treat Riddle as a serious character, mm-hmm. because if you're going to still keep him in the crazy stoner role, Randy being the straight man to that works better yeah. than him just being off by himself. Um, and then also, there isn't really, like you were saying before when we talked about Cody, right now there's a dearth of main eventers in the WWE, but I don't think this current version of it uh, for Riddle is a main event character. And so you might as well just keep them together and let someone like Cody slide into that role rather than force him into it and then have him fail and say, see, I knew this guy wasn't going to do it. Yeah. Well, and the the tag team division has been bad for a very long time. And like they, they've already made Alpha Academy into a, a pretty legitimate one. If you keep these guys around and keep elevating tag teams around these guys and then maybe do the split up next year, I, I think that's maybe the best way to utilize this group right now. Yeah, I think those two guys, you know, you, you have you have time because mm-hmm. Randy wrestles so well and he does so many things the right way. You don't have to worry about an injury kicking him out for six to eight months. Yeah. And Riddle is just he keeps himself in ridiculous shape. So he'll be fine as well. So let him percolate and then see what's going to show up. Like whatever you're doing with Austin Theory, how's that going to go? AJ's starting to wind down. What are you going to do with him? Are you going to let him be kind of that elder statesman or are you going to transition him to a permanent tag team like you did with almost and maybe find another person to develop as that new uh, Padawan for him as he goes through his final steps of his years in WWE or in wrestling in general? Yeah. Um, just a, a couple more for you here. The, the last time we had you on, we, we gave WWE the million dollar idea of the, the big meaty man open challenge. Uh, we, we did not get that. Um, we, I mean, he, he had a couple beefy matches in there. Um, mm-hmm. whenever you're in there with Bobby Lashley and Brock Lesnar, there, there's some beef there. Uh, but, but overall the, the title reign, probably not as long as we would have liked. What did you make of, of Big E's title reign? And now the, the, the month or so afterwards. Yeah, it's disappointing disappointing and especially when they transferred him to smackdown and they put him into the tag team with kofi and it's kind of just like we'll never speak of this again but i think he's young enough where he can kind of make that climb right back up the mountain uh i've joked and i mentioned in a column online for the torch that uh well not joked i've stated the fact that i will go running into the woods if Brock beats Lashley this weekend at the elimination chamber for the title, because that would have meant all four black WWE champions over 20 some odd years were beaten 
by Brock Lesnar and never got a rematch. The Rock, Kofi, Biggie, and Bobby, hopefully not. And so some people might be listening and saying, hey, what about Mark Henry? What about Booker T? World champ, universal champ, you know, non Vince McMahon, Jess McMahon, Vince McMahon, WWE, WWF, WWF. So uh, that's wild to me. And Brock, like, you know, I, I look at him and the Brock Lesnar from 2002 and the Brock Lesnar from 2022. If they saw each other, they almost would look at each other kind of like, like I, you kind of look like the same person, but the sword tattoo and the mohawk and the flannel. And it's just like, you're both <laughs> scary humans, but scary for both. Like, it's like old man Conan. Like, just, <laughs> I, I just, like, you still could have just sliced me in half or whatever. Yeah. But it's like, oh, you look like you could kind of like drink a coffee before you do it. Or, or it's like, <laughs> yeah. he's, he's like Thanos at the end of the Avengers movie, like sitting on the porch, just like, yep. <laughs> eat another one like oh geez yeah so yeah so that's how i felt about Big E, especially because much like kofi he's in a role where he's the former champion and he's never actively sought a rematch from the person who cost him his title i see the universe i see the old undisputed championship over your left shoulder there Mm -hmm. uh with the is that is that some is that some uh, i've been watching some jackson galaxy is that like catification like do you have a pet cat that like party around or is that just a nice stand for it uh th- that is a uh, a cat tree that is in here because this is also our spare room uh so that 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 is just yeah that, that's that that's where the, the cats can uh can hang out in here as well <laughs> yeah see I, jackson thank you jackson galaxy and for those of you who don't know watch him on youtube he's been during uh covid like when, when we were here in pittsburgh uh, pennsylvania when we had like uh more bigger restrictions and we were home more uh i would watch him on youtube and it was like Okay, I could watch another wrestling match, or I can see how I could catify this house. I it got to the point where I was like, "Let's get a cat." And my son was like, "I don't want a cat." And I was like, "Oh, my Jackson dreams are dashed." Like I had like everything saved on the website. Like, oh, I could get this, or I could, get... and I can't just get a cat for myself because then it's just going to be like, you know, the cat's just they're going to know that I'm like the one that wants to get him. So it's or her is going to be like, okay, you're going to be the sucker. You're yeah. going to baby me. <laughs> and get me all my treats. I was like, I can't have that. I can't do it. But I apologize for the deviation. Anyone that's not oh, a cat fun. person. <laughs> um, I we actually like have that exact scenario where we were we went to the um the, the humane society here. We were only gonna get the one cat who's actually sleeping over here. Um, <laughs> but then there was one that I just I couldn't leave without. Um, and we we opened up the, the thing to and she jumped out and like actually hugged me. I was like, okay, well, this cat is mine. And now she knows anytime she's done anything wrong, just jumps up, curls up uh, on, on my arm. And it's just like, is something wrong? It's like, yeah, no, I can't. Like, I'm going to be an awful father. Cause just the, the, the second those eyes come up, it's like, yeah, no, whatever you want. I'm, I'm Mercedes. I guess we're getting a Mercedes. Yeah. We're going to have to live in it, but we're, we're getting a Mercedes. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, what else in wrestling are you watching these days? Um, I know we've covered a lot, but is anything else catching your attention? Yeah. I love MLW. I've been mm-hmm. watching MLW a good bit. Their version of Lucha Underground has been a very entertaining. Uh, MJF's old buddies, Hammerstone and Richard Holiday, have been doing quite well for themselves since his departure. And uh, I, I just really think the hybrid style of wrestling they do, it's very entertaining. And also Stardom. I watch Wonder Ring Stardom from Japan. I've been joking on Twitter. It's Bushi Road's best sim- uh, child. Uh, everyone thinks it's New Japan, but no, no, no. Stardom is it, especially with this... Uh, 
I guess I want to say about five, seven hours ago, return of Kyrie, mm-hmm. who is now no longer Kyrie Hojo, no longer Kyrie Sane, full caps Kyrie. And I, I, oh, I love, ah, uh, nothing gets me happier than a full caps name. It's just, <laughs> it, it just brings joy to my soul. And she looks so happy until she got beat up by a little tie. But, you know, that's what happens when you come back and everybody respects and hates you at the same time. So I'm looking forward to seeing her wrestle again and see the joy in her wrestling. Yeah. Um, and I think that'll be a nice little, kind of like I mentioned with Cody, the little flag gets waved up like, hey, Asuka, come over. It's yeah. fun. <laughs> EO, come back. Oh, It'll be fun. How EO isn't in the main event of every wrestling show ever is, is beyond me. We, 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 need to, we need to hashtag free EO. Because she she is being wasted right now in WWE. Yeah, you look at this six-woman chamber. I joke with Wade before, uh, like two and a half, three weeks ago. that Because he was like, well, what do you see with Liv Morgan? What do you see with Bianca Bale? I was like, watch out for Alexa Bliss. <laughs> because I know how Vince McMahon thinks. And sure enough, she got the stamp on Monday. You're saying. Like, yeah. that's all I wanted. The uh, What was it? The, that wasn't Happy Gilmore. What? what uh, with Homer. Homer Simpson. Mm. We got the little stamp that says you're saying, and then <laughs> okay, off to off to the chamber I go. And you know, I, I just really feel like she's gonna win, and it's gonna be her and Becky or her and whomever they decide to have that title. I'm assuming Becky, but I'd love for it to be either Bianca, Rhea, or Liv. But yeah. I, I've seen WWE enough to kind of get myself uh, uh, ready to roll. Yeah, um, it's funny you bring up like the, the comparisons of, of New Japan and, and stardom. I've I've actually compared it to my own family where I'm, I'm the New Japan. I got like the, the big fancy broadcasting job. I worked in TV at our national TV broadcaster for a while. I've interviewed Bret Hart like I've done all these great things. So I'm the New Japan who it's like the big flashy stuff, but maybe not contributing a whole lot to society. My, my sister is already a homeowner. Um, she's about to have a baby. She's a teacher. She is molding young minds. She's like teaching progressive things at school. She's the one who's actually doing stuff um so she's she's the stardom in our family uh but it's interesting you bring up stardom um coming up actually right after this we have uh karen peterson coming on and we're doing kind of a beginner's guide to stardom uh because i two two uh, sorry 2021 was the year of stardom and i i am embarrassingly behind on my stardom knowledge so she she's gonna get me caught up once we're done here I, I don't she she probably doesn't know this, but I am the biggest like if there was a Karen Peterson fan club, I would run out like if it was a football game with the flag and <laughs> her because she has been instrumental. I cannot talk highly enough. W.H. Park over at Post mm-hmm. um, had does some shows with her. And I would recommend for any of your listeners or anyone watching this, if you get a chance, go to Post Wrestling. Look at Karen's match reviews. Anytime she does a match review, the level of detail, storyline tie ins outfit translations translations of commentary it makes me feel bad when i have to do stuff for the torch because i know i will not do it as good as she will and will do a disservice to the west wrestling i'm watching and so (laughs) yes karen's awesome what she does is awesome and the way she pulls you in you said you're behind she will get you like by the end of it it almost be like the matrix you'll have it like mind meld and it's like downloads like i know stardom now yeah and so yeah yeah i I like Honestly, uh, for full, I mean, it's podcast, so everything's taped, uh, but I, I taped it b- before this, uh, actually last week. And I was, I was nervous. Like I, I was stumbling. I was doing, cause it's like, I've been reading her stuff for so long. I was like, oh my God, this is happening now. So yeah, no, she, she is phenomenal. And just 
I guess quadrupling back now to your answer. Um, MLW, the, the the stuff they did in Mexico was amazing. I I cannot mm-hmm. get enough Psycho Clown and Pagano on my televisions, so I I loved that, and I miss the old Lucha Underground. Everything they are doing, um, I, I don't know how caught up you are, so I don't want to spoil anything uh, about oh, maybe. Okay, uh, so the, the the turn that we had at the end of last week's yeah. episode, I did not. There's a lot of stuff that like, okay, well this is where it's going. Didn't see it coming at all. So MLW has got me right now. Yeah, and consumers will be very happy. Yes. I, my, my, <laughs> my eternal goal has been, and Wade has been champion in this, I need to interview Paul Roma. He, mm. I am the one-man Paul Roma defense force, and he trained Richard Holiday. And so my goal is to, 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 to chat with Paul at some point in 2022, talk about Power and Glory, which was my favorite tag team growing up, and his role in the horsemen and all that. So it's like, if you're listening, Paul, I'm coming for you. <laughs> no better way to end that on than a Paul Roma shout out. Uh, Rich, thank you so much. Check him out at uh, Pro Wrestling Torch. Thank you so much for doing this, man. We'll, I'll, I'll be bugging you again soon for sure. Happy. Not a bog at all. It's always a pleasure. All right. Awesome stuff with Rich Fan, as always, uh, in that conversation. Really enjoyed that one. Now, um, the, this interview with Karen Peterson, we taped it last Friday. A couple of things have happened in stardom since then. Um, it's pretty, like we talked about it with, with Rich Fan there. Kyrie, uh, former Kyrie Sane, has joined the promotion. Uh, so if you're wondering why we're not talking about the implications of that, it's because it happened after we taped this. Um, but still, this is, I think, an excellent starting point for getting into one of the best women's promotions in the world, stardom. Very pleased to welcome to the Clearwater Cleaning Solutions uh, virtual broadcast studio, Karen Peterson from Post Pro Wrestling. Um, Karen, thank you for doing this. I really appreciate it. How are you? I am wonderful. Thank you for having me on today. Even though it's virtually, I'm not in Canada with you right now. <laughs> um, a lot of times I would say it's not the best to be here in February, but it's actually not too, too bad here. So you, you are missing out a touch, but um, virtually is working just fine for now. Um, I, I want to talk about stardom. And before we get into this, um, I, I we've talked about this uh, a little bit, but just for, so the listeners know, my, my main, uh, I guess, idea is the, the biggest pro wrestling company in the world right now kind of is unwatchable at times. And so there's a lot of very good pro wrestling out there. And I want to kind of highlight that. And stardom last year, 2021 was the year of stardom. It felt like there was a, a big breakthrough for the the wrestling community in terms of finding out start, uh, finding out about stardom. We're uh, a month and 11 days into 2022. How has uh, the, this year been for stardom so far? They're off to a good start. I mean, their next big show is coming up on Wednesday, February 23rd. And it's going to be Cinderella Journey in Nagaoka. Um, the card's getting interesting, and they've already had their press conference, and we'll see where we go from there. But they're like the the they as a company have been one of the ones that have been able to figure out how to th- not just survive the pandemic, but thrive during it in a safe and equitable manner, <laughs> and one that isn't essential yet expendable at the same time. Okay, uh, care to expand on that? Uh, well, you know, I live in Florida, for those mm-hmm. who don't know, and I also live in Orlando, the home of NXT. So when the pandemic started back in 2020, there was this large push by WWE to get approval from the Florida legislation to be considered an essential business. While we were at home, I work for a, a large public university, and I was working remotely. And watching NXT get the permission, along with WWE, to you know work both in Orlando and in Tampa... And then from that point in time, Nick Khan came in and the hatchet started falling and they started doing budget cuts. Mm-hmm. Lots and lots and lots of budget cuts, 
which I get, you're not turning a profit and that's fine. But when you fight to be considered an essential business, you have to take care of the employees that work for your company. Right. And in the last two years, we've seen, I'm guessing over 200, if not more employees, just in that one company alone, lose their livelihood. And unfortunately for WWE, many, many other companies are benefiting as a result. Thankfully, people are finding, they're falling on their feet. They're finding places they can call home or they're just being kings and queens of, of the Indies and having an amazing time. Yeah. And um, I, I think like that there's definitely room for a lot of wrestling out there now, especially with all these people who've come up. And I, I, you bringing that up reminded me how much I hated how WWE handled the, the first part of the pandemic and just how like unwatchable a lot of that was because of, for lack of a better term, the heebie-jeebies that it gave me just watching how they were trying to shoehorn everything in and all of that. Um, so, so thank you for reminding me of that repressed memory. I'm so sorry to bring back that trauma <laughs> of 2020. Yeah. <sighs> it, it was at first that gave them the benefit of the doubt that they were doing the best and making the most of what they could with the situation. They were keeping people employed. They were, you know, doing empty arena shows and it was fine for a while. And then it, it wasn't fine. Mm-hmm. It was very not fine. And as someone I've been in Orlando since 2014, I became, discovered NXT in 2014. So it was one of those things where NXT, I was a, like a bleeding black and gold girl. So even in the last year with the shift to 2.0, the current NXT, it's not for me anymore, unfortunately. Even though mm-hmm. I have people I love that wrestle there, it's just, it's not my NXT. Yeah. No, and it hasn't I'm, been for a long time. No, it's, and it's unrecognizable and it's, it's too bad. Um, what's happened there. Um, well, with stardom, I, uh, I, I kind of, I, I have a confession is that I, I consider myself a hardcore wrestling fan, but my, my stardom knowledge is very much lacking. And so I, I kind of want a little bit of help with that in, in this interview today. Um, okay. Basic question. And this is again, to, to let you know the level of stupid that you're dealing with today. One of the things I greatly appreciate about different wrestling promotions is getting a little bit creative with belt names. Uh, Dragon Gate did this. Stardom has done this. One of the issues I have is uh, I am, uh, again, stupid. And some of them, it's You're a not difficult. stupid. You're <laughs> learning. Right. Yeah. Okay. Thank you very much. <laughs> you, you are definitely someone who works in education. Uh, <laughs> but we'll, we'll yeah. Um, with the different title names, though, can you just kind of run through which ones, like what they all mean and everything like that? All right, we'll start at the top and work our way down. Okay. Now, there's two schools of thought on the, the, the top two belts. Some have approached as one's a world championship, the other one's equivalent to your intercontinental championship. So you have the wonder of stardom. It's the red belt. It's currently carried by Shuri, and she won it at uh, uh, Stardom Dream Queendom back in December off of Utami Hayashista, who shouldered that belt and the company for over a year prior. So for most people... World of Stardom, World Championship, top belt. Now, there's also like the 1B, which would be your Wonder of Stardom Championship. It's the white belt. It is your, I always compare it to the Intercontinental Championship because I think of New Japan's, God, I miss that belt, gorgeous (laughs) Intercontinental Championship or even WWE's Intercontinental Championship when it was the white strap because that belt was mint. Um, And two, those two belts tend to be when you most women who go for the world championship and eventually get it 
often will get the Wonder of Stardom Championship first. So previous holders of the Wonder of Stardom Championship would be Kairi Hojo, uh, Momo Watanabe, uh, Tam Nakano, Julia, and uh, right now is Saya Kamatani. There are other people. Uh, Mayu Yutani's held it. I believe Io Shirai may have held it. So it, it's one of those ones that has a very storied lineage. Same thing with the, and then you have like the World of Stardom Championship, which I always look at as A and then like A, B adjacent. But some people are very much, no, they're the same. Some people are like, no, one's one, one's two. They're the, they're the top two singles champions. Okay. At least in my mind. Okay. Now, after that, you have your tag team championship. That's the goddesses cha- uh, championship. They're black straps, shaped like stars. And the one thing, it took a while for me to catch on to this. One, the main plate of is gold with silver wings. And the other one's actually the inverse where it's silver with gold wings. Mm. So I always appreciate it when a tag team is, it either is thrown together and they make the, the effort to make matching gear. I'm a, I'm a big matching gear girl when it comes to tag teams and trios and all that stuff. So in stardom, right now, uh, Fukuoka, Double Crazy, Hazuki, and Koguma, they're the goddesses of stardom champions. They relieved it from Shuri and Julia back in January. Um, I'm very curious to see how their upcoming match is going to play into it and if they're going to be able to have a long run with the belt because, you know, when both of them came back from retirement, it was this whole big thing, especially for Hazuki, who had retired in 2019. And her and Koguma started in the company when they when they first started was back i want to say 2013 okay when they were both really really young (laughs) (laughs) um the trio's title is the artists of stardom they are they're all three different colors so the most creative incorporation of it i've seen is uh Donna Del Mundo's Micah, Himeka, and Natsupoi. They've each taken one of the colored belts and made matching gear style in those signature colors. Mm. The one's orange, one's blue, and one's pink. But the base of all uniforms is the the design is the same, white base, but the accents are different, which is really cool. Uh, Then after that, there's two, no, correction, three other belts. There is the Future of Stardom Championship, which is... It's your rookie's belt. The there's two stipulations on it right now. I believe you have your career has to be less than five years professionally, mm. or you have to be under the age of twenty. So right now, Hanan is carrying it. She's seventeen, uh, but she's one of the ones that got her start in the Stardom jo- Dojo while she was in middle school. So it's her first time carrying it. She got the belt at Queendom back in December off of Ruaka, who for those two, for those two, they're the same age. They started around the same time. So they're going, I have a feeling that Hanan and Ruaka are going to be the forever arrivals of their, of their year of, of young folk. It's <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's, it's heartbreaking because girl, like those girls and I call them girls because they are young enough to be my child. <laughs> <laughs> Because I have friends that have kids that are same age as me, but their kids are in their early 20s now. So I'm like, I can say someone's my son or my daughter because or my child or my whatever, because I am of that age where I could theoretically have kids this age. Um, There's also the SWA championship, which was a belt. I want to say it was from a different company that stardom either took over or absorbed when they like eventually merged and became stardom. But the premise of that belt, it's designed to be that, Whoever the holder of the belt will has to fight someone of a different nationality. Mm. So right now, Tekla, who's Austrian, she and Mina Shirakawa had a match back in January to determine who would be the next uh, champion because Shuri chose to vacate it after getting the, the red belt. 
So the good thing about Tekla is that she's one of the only, well, I think right now she is the only pure Gaijin that's left in stardom. <laughs> okay. Um, because, you know, B Priestley was there for a while, but, you know, she left last year to go to NXT UK as Blair Davenport. Borders haven't opened yet, so no one's coming in. And prior to Tekla taking the belt, the only other people that would have carried it was Shuri, who carried it for just as long as Utami had the red belt because she's half Filipina. And then Julia's half Italian. So it was, it was one of those things where the options are very limited if you're going to fight for some, like fight against other people. Right. So right now it's, it's I wanted Shirakawa to get it just because in the uh, press conference last month, she made this whole big deal that she wanted to not just take, win the belt, but she wanted to go to abroad and not only defend the belt, but start recruiting for Cosmic Angels like in, in the United States, in Canada, in the UK, down in Australia. She, like, she was ready to like, literally board a plane with the belt and go go like round up people and start scouting and headhunting which i thought was really great yeah um so now it's going to be one of those things where tecla has the belt i'm curious to see how long she's going to have it i think until the borders open up where new people with new visas can come into japan uh she might have it for a while because shuri also had it for a very long while after she uh she got it off of b Priestley. so until there's a a larger foreign wrestler influence within stardom, it's going to be one of the things I think Tekla will have it for a long time. Okay. And then the final one, yes, the final one that's not a tournament would be the high-speed title, which currently Starlight Kid has it. Um, That belt was, I believe it was from, it was Neo Pro Wrestling. Again, another company, a belt from another company that was brought into stardom and taken over when stardom got established. Uh, when When Starlight Kid was prior to she joining and becoming into the dojo, she would go to some stardom shows by herself. So she would watch and the, 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 the high-speed division is what always had her attention. So mm-hmm. for her to finally get the belt, and she's, she's held it multiple times, but her more successful run is right now as a heel, mm. largely because wh- whomever challenges her for the belt, she makes a custom mask in their color scheme. And when she defeats them, she pins them to the inside of her entrance cape. So she literally walks into a venue with the heads of her fallen oh, opponents. I love that. So at, at Wrestle Kingdom, when she was the one who got uh, tapped for a way to tie to walk in, I was like, she's going to walk in with those masks in her, her coat. And everyone's just like, oh, my God, what are all those masks? And I'm like, if y'all don't know, you're going to know now because that's what she does. Whenever she wins one, she takes that mask. She'll pose with whoever she's defeated at the very end. And then next time you see her. It's inside the cape. I and love that. Be, her next opponent will be Natsupoi. Who, oh no, she had she had defended against Natsupoi. Her next opponent is going to be Azumi. So she and Azumi have drawn last time they wrestled because it was a three-way involving Koguma and Koguma ate the pin. Oh, okay. And then Natsupoi came back. She was off for half of January doing a stage play for one of Bushiroad's products called Assault Lily. Uh, so it was a staged a live action in, incorpor, uh, incarnation of one of their products. I think it's an anime trading card game sort of thing. Okay. Uh, and on February 1st, they wrestled to a time limit draw. And then Natsupoi said, you know what? I'll come back to being st- a high-speed champion again at some point. I'm going to go challenge for the white belt instead. So she's challenging Saya Kamitani for the white belt. Oh, okay. So that's the setup right now. Okay. Now, at the end of the month... Uh, is on on the 23rd is going to be 
their their monthly basically their, their monthly pay-per-view whether it'll have english commentary or not we don't know yet uh it seems that stardom's not doing it for every single large event even though they do make the effort to subtitle their their uh Korako and shows and all their tour stops but they're on tape delay okay so it's one of those things where sometimes if there's other japanese speakers that are on at the same time we'll all try to hop on onto the old tweet machine and start trying to throw out translations and they also have their own english account so if you're mm-hmm. if you're if you're not already following we underscore our underscore stardom and you're one to learn about stardom in english if you don't speak japanese that's the account to follow or you know you can follow me it's fine <laughs> <laughs> i don't mind yeah <laughs> just, just please don't treat me like google translate be like dming me and be like hey what does this mean right like go use Google Translate or hear my rates, whichever one you prefer. <laughs> um, I, I do appreciate the, the the English subtitles when I see videos from them. And that's, that, that is something that I am dying for New Japan to, to incorporate as well. Like it's just, it's a, I don't want to say it's a simple thing, but it seems like such a simple thing that just helps, think so. o- just helps open <laughs> up an entire other audience to your product. It's one of those things where people don't realize that while trans tra- like machine translation and live translation, it can be very taxing, mm. especially when there's, especially because the complicated alone, the complexities of English, you right. have your British English, your Canadian English, your American English, your Australian and Kiwi English. You've got English from other speaking countries around the world. So always the nuances. And, you know, unfortunately for Japanese fans, sometimes sarcasm is very much lost in translation. <laughs> so it's one of those things where, also depending on the resources available in the company. To my mm-hmm. knowledge, there's maybe f- five at the most completely bilingual people working in all of New Japan. Oh, wow. It, they're still a very small company. And the one that we always see the most is either Chris Charlton, who does like 20 other things at the same time, in addition to commentary with Kevin Kelly. And then there's a, a woman, I believe her name is Mizuka. She did the... For those who don't know, she helped create the New Japan English textbook that they released last year back in the fall. Mm. So, but pretty much it's not just being able to translate it live or, you know, make sure that it's accurate, but it's also timing it and, you know, video production. So it's one of those things where it's like, it would seem like something simple. Right. But it's all, I'm like everything else, it just comes down to money, resources, time, especially when you're having like 20 Colorado shows in the span of a month. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure there's only so much, and it, people don't realize translating can get very exhausting. Like you, 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 it can, even if you're fluent, it, mentally your brain wears out and you get tired. Oh, I bet. Yeah. No, that, that would be quite the process for sure. No, that, um, and I, look, I'm getting selfish. Like I, I remember it, we're, we're not too far removed from having to watch new Japan shows on like you stream at three in the morning and just getting whatever we can. So the fact that we have English commentary at all, um, I, I should definitely be happy about that. You, you mentioned for, for stardom that there's a big show coming up on the, the 23rd. W- would this be a, a good entry point for, for people who are looking to get into stardom or is there an event that's happened in the, the last few months that would be a good kind of, Hey, this is the time to, to jump in on this thing. It, I mean, it's, it's, it's the whole adage there's no time like the present, right? Right. So if you want a little, better understanding of of what's leading up to what's happening at the end of the month i believe now that they're the um, the broadcast embargoes are over they should be on stardom world Mm. watch the january show that was on the 29th very end of the month and then go back or if you if you're really ambitious go back to december and watch queendom okay 
It was their, like, other than their show in April, oh, sorry, March, which was the All-Star Cinderella, which was their big 10th anniversary show. That's the show that where all the big title changes happened. There was some big reveals that happened around that time. And it was, it was like, I mean, I could say go back all the way to the five-star Grand Prix in September, go back to January of last year. But yeah, if you, I would say Queendom can't miss. Okay. If you, if you're on the new Japan world and you want to get a sampler and you have not yet seen January 5th, the, the, the tag team match there, there are so many layers to that tag team match. Kevin Kelly and Chris Charlton did their best to unpack all that. There was still a lot of stuff that was not unpacked about that right. tag particular tag match. Yeah. But, and that phenomenal match too, by the way. Oh, so good. Everybody yeah. had to do a high spot and I love <laughs> that every single one of them did one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, from my understanding with all the kind of knots to unravel during that, it's basically if you had like eight minutes to explain, okay, well, here's Rock, Austin, Mr. McMahon, and Triple H. Uh, here's everything that happened in their story, and this match is going on at the same time. Like, there's just that there's a lot of like interconnected going on in that bout. Yeah. Yeah. One of my only caveats about that particular match at Wrestle Kingdom, they had a video package for all the other big matches. Mm. I would have loved a quick and dirty 30 second. Here's why these people teaming together is amazing and dramatic and somewhat problematic (laughs) (laughs) purely because of the last year you know for Mayu Iwatani she lost Starlight Kid in a bet to a way to tie and then her Starlight Kid went to a way to tie and her star just shot right off to the part where she went from being the lowest ranked member of way to tie to the one they're using for all the marketing all the PR events a lot of them they're not putting Nasuko who's the actual leader they're using Starlight Kid as Mm. the only masked wrestler in the entire company you know the drama between Mayu and uh, Tam Nakano. Mayu rescued Tam when, when Oedo Tai threw her to the sideway. And then Tam turned around and created Cosmic Angels and took off on her own. <laughs> Saya Kamatani used to be part of Stars, and she got poached by Queen's Quest. So it's one of those things where it's Mayu and all of her exes. Right. <laughs> and, and none of them can see, like Mayu's the mountain for all of them. None of them can beat her. Oh, okay. They've either gone to a draw or they've lost. Okay. And then, oh, I didn't mention this earlier when we were doing the titles. There are two big tournaments in stardom. One's the Cinderella tournament, which is usually held in the like, late spring. Um, it's single day, single elimination tournament, kind of like the New Japan Cup. The winner gets a wish granted, gets to wear a big Cinderella ball gown. Um, it's kind of like if you were to win the New Japan Cup and not go for the main title if you were to choose the intercontinental a lot of people tend to go for the white belt the instead of the red belt but some people go straight for the red belt it's fine and then the five-star grand prix kind of like the g1 climax that winner tends to be in this in this particular case when shuri won it she's like i have this briefcase i'm and she decided in september that she was closing out the show in december She's like, I will defeat, I will honor every loss I had in the five-star Grand Prix, but this briefcase and me, we're going to Rio Goku. And she, she did, she defended it against all the people she lost to. And she won, she won the whole darn thing. Nice. Um, now, if there was one of the, 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 the performers with stardom who I like, if I had come across her when we were uh, in Tokyo a couple of years ago, I wouldn't have said anything because you don't do that. But I, after I would have geeked out a little bit, it, it would have been uh, Mayu Iwatani. Is she kind of like the, the ace of the company right now? She, it, for those who watch New Japan, she, she's your Tanahashi. Okay. She's the icon. <laughs> yeah. 
she i mean you could you could also call utami the ace of the company because utami uses the same moniker that tanahashi uses uses which is itsuzai mm. which is like the once in a century talent so it's it's one of those things where i always see it as mayu is tanahashi and then in my mind utami is your okada okay the, the, the young super rookie that you know has done all the things within like the first couple years of their career because mm. you know okay. even with okada he's held the the version four belt multiple times he formally sent it off when he finally won at wrestle kingdom so it's like what else is okada gonna do right he's gonna go be a tag champion with yoshihashi (laughs) yeah go be a never never six man (laughs) (laughs) by the way the super juniors yeah yeah exactly he's gonna cut cut down and and he's gonna cut himself off at the knees right start yeah. (laughs) (laughs) yeah um I, you talked about the, the belts earlier. I, I understand the want for new and everything like that. The IWGP championship was perfect. And the, the intercontinental title belt was perfect. And what they have now isn't. I, I, was, I was so disappointed that they went back to it. It's grown on me. And that is thanks to one man and one man alone. Where is he? Where's my man? <laughs> Mr. Shingo Takagi. That man made that belt. I didn't like it. When Ibushi had it, I didn't like it. When Osprey had it, I didn't like it. When Osprey had a fake version of it, saying that he was the real champion. Mm-hmm. But there was something about Takagi with that belt. I think it, that belt was designed for a wider waisted guy, right? Like, like the other ones, they're all very slim, so it kind mm-hmm. of looks like kind of looks too big on them. And Ibushi in particular, it looks comically big because he's so lean <laughs> and cut. Yeah. Like, it, we, like, it's like when you put, like, pants that are on, uh, on that are too big and they just, like, fall right off. Like, I kept waiting for the belt just to go whoop and just, like, slide <laughs> right down his legs. <laughs> look, it, it's the only thing that can make Ibushi's abs not look perfect. And I don't appreciate that. Um, and, and, so and it's I, hard to make those abs look not perfect. Right? Right? I mean, covering them is part of the problem. <laughs> yeah. Just so we're clear. He and I, just say get that, a little I said that from an end aesthetic per, uh, perspective. <laughs> not being thirsty. I'm nope. just stating facts. The man is built different mm-hmm. we we went to the wrestle the last wrestlemania that was in dallas and we saw him wrestling for evolve and all of those things and for for whatever reason that's still the wrestler that my wife brings up can't can't quite put a finger on it that that's the one that for whatever reason has just stuck I mean, in her mind he is a very attractive man mm-hmm. personally not one of my top attractive i mean i admit he's attractive does is he like in my wheelhouse he's he's pretty and I have a problem with guys that are prettier than me. <laughs> he can't be prettier than me. Ibushi, I love you. You're too damn pretty. Okay, that's fair. Well, agree to disagree, <laughs> I suppose. Um, but I, we also, we, we watched him wrestle a stuffed animal for 15 minutes. Uh, so that, that, that tends to, to stick with someone uh, after a little bit. Um, but, but back on track here, um, in terms of some of the, the different storylines to, to watch, you've outlined a couple, but what are some of the main ones that, that we can watch out for going into to Feb 23? Well, two of the ones you're going to want to keep an eye on is the arrival of Prominence, who were formerly of Ice Ribbon, that have decided to come. And the Prominence, when they left Ice Ribbon last year, they decided they were going to be a deathmatch quintuplet. But they've decided to bring their their brand of violence to stardom. Namely, because once Julia left, in their mind, in the story that they're telling right now, Julia was the linchpin or the straw that broke the camel's back. When she left, everything went downhill. So they're coming 
with a vendetta against Julia and anyone who aligns themselves with Julia, meaning Donna Del Mundo as a unit are now targets. The other concern I have is that we are in now in possibly a Donna Del Mundo is fine situation where Julia, when she had injured her neck and had to drop out of the five-star Grand Prix last fall, while she was on the shelf, a mysterious masked assailant showed up and started beating up the rookies for Cosmic Angels. It was revealed at, at the very end of December after mo- every, pay- every monthly pay-per-view, the masked assailant would show up with one person or two people or just by themselves, beating people up. It was namely uh, Lady C, uh, Mai Sakurai, and Tsuki Wakayama. And it turned out at the Christmas year end special, they the the masked assailants came to attack them one more time while Tam and Mayu were in the ring. Tam and Mayu super kicked the leader and it was revealed to be Julia. Mm. So Julia bringing in Tekla and Mirai to join Donna Del Mundo. Again, Donna Del Mundo is all wrestlers who were brought in by Julia from other promotions outside of stardom. Currently, no members of DDM are stardom dojo graduates. But the problem is, is now Julia's brought in two very familiar faces to her in her life prior to stardom. So for me, I'm wondering if there's going to be a fractioning or splitting of the group because Julia is also now in the situation where she's the leader, but she's not the champion. Mm. Shuri is. And Shuri's been busy tagging with Micah, Himeka, and Natsupoi. Well, Julia has been preoccupied with her new friends that she brought in this year. So is it going to be, will it come to a head at some point where they have to split or will they all find a way to mend the fences and remember that they are DDM first and their personal business comes after. Okay. The other one is that, as I mentioned with Starlight Kid getting taken into a Wado tie because Mayu Itani lost her in a bet because that's a thing. (laughs) Shortly after Starlight Kid got absorbed into a Wado tie, uh, Natsuko Tora blew out her knee in a match against Utami for the World uh, Stardom Championship. And she's been on the shelf uh, ever since. Only recently has Natsuko come back at Queendom for big entrances for Momo Watanabe turning heel. And some she's been seen more around ringside as a second, but she's not back yet. She hasn't been given a, a... scheduled return date Mm. but in her absence even though saki kashima one of the other members of oedotai who was also in stars turned on mayu iwatani joined (laughs) oedotai you you see this there's this pattern mayu is kind of like okada in the sense that people in her stable keep betraying her and leaving her and then she's just like no everything's fine really (laughs) it's fine yeah (laughs) um but since natsuko's been out saki even though she's probably one of the more senior members of a way to tie has kind of taken a backseat starlight kid who's supposedly the lowest ranked in the group. But starlight kid was also the one who finally pulled Momo Watanabe's strings enough to drag her down into darkness and have her Momo turn on queen's quest where she nailed Azumi in the head with a chair to win a match. Oh, okay. So it's one of those things where when Natsuko comes back, will Starlight Kid or will it become another thing where there will be infighting within a Oedotai? 
If you're an Oedo Tai fan and you know me, you know, I'm sorry to say this, but it's a possibility. <laughs> yeah. I know you don't want to hear it, but that's the truth. <laughs> There's no honor among thieves. You need to remember that. <laughs> um, other than that, the other groups, Queen's Quest is working on get, gaining numbers now that they lost Momo. Cosmic Angels, they're doing fine. They've got plenty of people. Um, and then Stars is, we're hoping that Saya Ida, the little, there's like tall Saya who's like the Wondrous Arm champion, but there's this little, little Saya who's like super, super, super jacked, but also very, very, very short. But she also blew out her knee when she was future stardom champion and she's been on the shelf. Mm. When Hazuki finally decided to join Stars last year after she had been back in the company for a few months. Sayaida couldn't contain her enjoy, or her excitement and she ran with her busted knee, ran from the back in Kowarakuen and like dove into the ring with everybody and then just started crying because she was just so happy. So we're also waiting on a return table for her. Mm. When she comes back, will she go back for the future championship? I don't think so. But I don't know where they're going to put her because I don't know if they'll be pushing her for a singles championship or pushing her towards one of the either the trios championship or the tag championship. Okay. Um, now, in terms of, of following stardom, um, a, uh, a credit to you because your reports on, on post wrestling are phenomenal and, and do you. a good job of, of giving a, a lot of this backstory. Um, but also for, for someone who if 920 yen a month and whatever that converts to to wherever you're living uh, might be a, a bridge too far, given gestures aggressively at the world around them. Um, the, the YouTube show that they have, the, they put up about half an hour uh, every now and then. Is that enough? To, to be able to, to follow along with this? Or what's the quality of that, I guess? Uh, if you're interested in, before investing, I would say go to their, go to Stardom Official's website, or uh, website, sorry, YouTube channel. Because, sorry, the, ep the episodes they put on, that is what they air on broadcast television. So hmm. it's kind of like how New Japan, to draw another New Japan parallel, that's what they would do with their like their Roku version of it, where it's like this digested version or it's very theme specific. Sometimes they do it specifically about one particular wrestler. Sometimes they focus on a certain match or a certain series or a tournament. But if you're not sure about dropping the money yet, follow their their official website or their official YouTube channel. They have so much content there. Okay. Okay, that is that is good to know. And it seems like a, a worthy investment to, to get into it. Because like I said before, stardom certainly uh, appears to be kind of destined for a, a big breakout, or I guess in the midst of, of a big breakout. Um, in, in terms of the, the company and the direction of things, is there is there something you'd like to see changed or maybe done a little bit differently? Now, this is just personal preference. If they are eventually going to commit to having English commentary, I want a female on commentary that would seem to be a logical uh ask yeah they when they do the japanese commentary teams for the the, the big, bigger shows in particular they have often they have not just uh miki motoi who does commentary also for new japan but she also for one of the shows back in the fall last year she was the lead commentator she was doing play-by-play -play and not just color commentary mm. but they also have retired wrestlers that come they have yuzuki aikawa who's one of the stardom originals that was like tam she was an idol uh, a grabber idol that was turned into a wrestler they have uh someone from bushi road uh oh god i'm gonna say her name wrong aina aiba who does a lot of stage plays and voice work and a lot of their anime characters who also does a lot of youtube content with the wrestlers for bushi road on commentary 
So it's like they have lots of female presence on the Japanese commentary. Mm. Occasionally, they've also tried doing this recently, is that when they have English commentary, they have the bilingual wrestlers, once they finish their match, participate. So like they had Mina Shirakawa on one time. They had uh, Tsuki Wakayama another time. Wakatsukiyama. Am I saying your name right? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Wakatsukiyama. So they've had them, but it, again, it's not a consistent thing. Okay. And I mean, the, it's good because usually the, um, the gentleman that they bring in to do the co- English commentary for stardom, when it's not on a New Japan show, uh, Mark Pickering and Stuart Fulton, both of, have some semblance of Japanese proficiency. So they're able to do the Eng- the bilingual translation. They're able to you know give uh, program notes and explain what's going on. And also, you know, Kevin Kelly and Chris Charlton, when, when Stardom Girls go over to New Japan shows, they're throwing together facts and information and providing that, inf- providing that information in English. But what I would love to see is someone that isn't, I hate to say it this way, a white man on English commentary. Right. No, that's, that, that's about fair. on women's wrestling. Yeah. I want women discussing women's wrestling. Yes, that that, that seems like a, a pretty a pretty easy ask. I, I would suggest. Um, in, in terms of like what could be next for Stardom, we obviously like th- there's been a bit of work w- with New Japan w- with Wrestle Kingdom and stuff like that. I understand different TV de- deals for for different promotions makes that a, a little bit challenging. But do you see a world where one day though those two may may commingle maybe a little bit more than what we've been able to see so far? Well, I'm going to put this out first and foremost. I am very much against the idea that New Japan needs a women's division. I do not want New Japan absorbing stardom and making them part of their company and part of their roster. One of the things that, that, you know, stardom fans and New Japan fans, while there is, like, you know, it's a Venn diagram, while there is some crossover in the middle, Mm -hmm. there are members of those fandoms that very much like they're wrestling the way it is. Right. That, you know, the stardom fans want just stardom. New Japan fans want just New Japan. If Bushi Road could negotiate something akin to Cyberfight, where they have a singular platform like Wrestle Universe, where mm-hmm. you have uh, one high definition, outstanding video work all the time, uh, and have it re- readily available in multiple languages, that would be the thing. But the tr- the trick is again, if both com- both Stardom and New Japan are able to negotiate with their respective television deals because that's where the real money is in japan while outside of japan and like a lot of western countries streaming is now taking over cable and broadcasting a lot of people are you know cutting cable and just moving on to online but in japan the bread and butter comes still comes from that like that that golden time prime time ad revenue so it's one of those things where it's very difficult if they could find Honestly, if they could find a, an umbrella company that could make all of that happen mm-hmm. and make these streaming interfaces better, not that New Japan World and Stardom World aren't good, but like everything else, they could be better. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I know I, people I, People want one-stop shopping. And especially when with, for example, Cyberfight with Frosted Universe, you have four promotions for the same cost of one. Yeah. And that, and that to a lot of people is a very big selling point. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. And, and yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I don't, I don't want them to be like stardom is all of a sudden the new Japan women's division just for simple math purposes. I like that. Like you, you can have quite a few stardom matches. If you just moved a stardom card onto new Japan one, as much as I like new Japan, 
they're long enough. Uh, so I, I don't need all of those matches. And then we're taking time away from performers who don't need to have time taken away. Correct. And that was one of the other things where it's like, the way I look at it is that, you know, if you want to make it a WWE comparison, is that we're always call as fans, we're always calling for another man classic or we're calling for another evolution. Mm-hmm. If you find a women's promotion and it's not just stardom, there's, there are promotions here in the United States that have all women's promotions like shimmer mm-hmm. or, Oh God, I'm not, I'll, I'll have to get, look it up and give it to you after, but there's one in Texas that's run by Thunder Rosa. I want to say it's mission pro wrestling, mm. but there are all women's promotions. Throw your money at those. Yeah. If, if Joshi isn't your thing, that's okay. But you know, there's also plenty of promotions in Japan that I'm still learning about. I'm still learning more about Senjo, which was started by Meiko Satomura. I'm learning about Seedling. I'm learning about Marvelous because Marvelous sent Takumi Iroha over for the five-star Grand Prix. And I was like, oh my gosh, she's the most amazing thing ever. <laughs> but it's one of those things where it's like, I can only, as a person who's still working during a pandemic, I can only afford so many streaming services right. before I have to choose between feeding myself or <laughs> waking up at two o'clock in the morning to watch a broadcast for another show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. And uh, yeah, and that, that that's one of the, the, honestly, one of the holdups that I've had with, with stardom is that I, um, what was a, a, a work casualty during this pandemic. And uh, I, uh, as much as I would love to justify it, I just can't really right now, but I'm happy that the, the YouTube channel um, is as- Definitely as dive headlong into that YouTube channel. They have so much stuff. Okay. Um, we, we've seen um, Tokyo Joshi Pro team up with, with AEW. Obviously, we talked about before, those relationships are a little bit different right now because of, again, the pandemic and everything like that. But do you think we could see a world someday where stardom has that sort of a relationship with someone uh, on this side of the planet? If, well, now that Ring of Honor is currently in limbo, mm-hmm. you know, they're planning on coming back with Supercard of Honor in March uh, during Mania weekend. Uh, because for me, that's how I learned about stardom was when they had the Supercard of Honor and they had the the first Women of Honor tournament. And, you know, Kagetsu was in it. Hana Kimura was in it. Mayu was in it. And they had brought a whole bunch of girls over. I, unfortunately, that night, I was at NXT TakeOver. It was a great takeover, so I'm not mad about it. But trying to find those matches afterwards was a bit of a challenge. And then seeing them again at the G1 Supercard at Madison Square Garden, both as the dark match and then Mayu's match against Kelly Klein for the Women of Honor Championship, I was like, I need to start learning about this because I can't get enough of it. Yeah. So it's one of those things where it's just like, would I like to see them work more with New Japan? Yes. I think if they do big stadium shows like that, you know, they've had they had the MetLife Dome shows back in the back in September and they had exhibition matches on there. If they keep that kind of format, I think it'll be great. Okay. Do I want to see them displacing matches like say at Dominion? They put like the World of Stardom Championship on that card. I'd rather not because again, like you said, there are plenty of people on the New Japan roster that are already fighting and fighting for spots on there. Here in the States, once travel opens up, I wouldn't be opposed to New Japan Strong being mm. that platform where until stardom can get their own large enough following here in the States where they could run a show on their own, working with New Japan Strong to bring those matches over. I don't know how that would work from a broadcast perspective, because again, different co- broadcast company, but you know their exhibition matches at the Dome shows are on New Japan World. When they did Madison Square Garden show, I believe Mayu's match is still on there. I don't know if the six woman match was on there, but I think Ring of Honor put it on their YouTube page afterwards. Okay. But it's one of those things where 
since since New Japan is their sibling company, and again with Rev Pro being the you know the U Japan adjacent brand in the UK with a women's division, mm-hmm. those would be two possible avenues for them. Okay. Um, thank you very much for, for all of this. I, you've been extremely generous with your time and I, I do see that your dog is telling you to, to, to wrap it up here in a little bit. Uh, she hasn't gotten mouthy or she start growling at me. So we're, we're okay. okay. But I, I think it, it might be time for me to take her for another walk. Soon. Okay. Well, I will, I will let you go, but, but thank you so much for all of this. And, uh, I hope to have you on next time and have maybe a, a few more, uh, informed questions than just, Hey, what is this? Well, I would love to come back should you want to have me on again. Oh, absolutely. Yes, this has been awesome. Thank you very much. Uh, quickly, wh- where can people find your work? If you want to find me, you can go over to uh, Twitter, Twitch, Instagram, and YouTube at Hey Karen Sensei. Follow me along. I am still learning about stardom along with everything else. I also, uh, please, I, my only caveat is don't treat me like Google Translate and ask and send me things for you to translate because I'll tell you to figure it out yourself. But other <laughs> than that, Come along for the ride. I like helping bridge the language gap between uh, Japanese fans and foreign fans. So, well, you do an amazing job of it, and we greatly appreciate it. So, thank you very much, and uh, enjoy your dog time now. Thank you. All right. That was a lot of fun. I hope you guys enjoyed it. That is the program for today. Uh, Reminder, this is coming from the Clearwater Cleaning Solutions broadcast studio. Clearwater Cleaning Solutions wants you to give the gift of time during the month of February. Call in and book a residential cleaning for someone you love and get 14% off. When you call in to 403-274-3998, mention that you are phoning about the Clearwater Cleaning Solutions Valentine's promotion. Find me on social media, Twitter and Instagram. I am at primetimecline, twitch.tv slash primetimepk. Going to be on there coming up a little bit later on today and maybe throughout the weekend as well. You can email the show, Diary at yahoo.com. The music that you're listening to on this show provided by Wasted Talent. Find them on Instagram at Wasted Talent with X's where the A's would be and find the producer on Instagram at Tommy Fresh Music. Bonus podcast coming out on Saturday with some UFC stuff and some Elimination Chamber previewing. I did the Elimination Chamber previewing with the Fresh Tate Network. That podcast is out on their network now and again will be available here tomorrow. Also, if you missed it, we had no idea the general history podcast I do with my wife is up now. We did prominent uh, black Canadians. We know a lot about civil rights leaders in the States. We learned a little bit more about those here north of the border. So check that episode out wherever you got this one. Thank you guys all so much for the support. I appreciate it. And I will talk to you a little bit later on. I'm out.